lovely to see you this morning. And if you're new or visiting, it's great to have you with us. Um, if you would like to know a little bit more about St. Paul's, we have a welcome meal coming up on Monday the 24th of... Wednesday the 24th, yeah, Wednesday the 24th, I got that wrong. Wednesday the 24th of April um, uh, here at St. Paul's and we'd love to welcome you at that. You just come in the front door and turn left up the stairs. Um, actually, it's, no, it won't be on there, it'll be downstairs, won't it? It'll be in the back foyer here. I'm really getting it in a pickle this morning, aren't I? The youth will be upstairs. Um, uh, we'd love to serve you a nice meal. Uh, with a glass of wine or juice or whatever you want and uh, tell you a little bit about the church and get to meet you. So if you are new or relatively new, please do consider coming to join us. And if you've actually never been to one of those but would like to come, just do come along. We'd love to hear. There's a, a, a response you can email or phone in the notice sheet tells you what to do to be part of that. Um, if you are visiting this morning, um, just want to... Um, uh, say that today I'm going to be speaking on Christian stewardship and um, uh, I'm aware that sometimes there's a feeling that the church is always speaking about money and we're not always speaking about money we normally just talk about Jesus but a couple of times a year uh, we also talk about our finances because uh, we as a church have many ministries going on in our community here as well as abroad and um, it's all of the stuff that we do needs finance to enable it to happen. So we help. We, it's good for us to stop and think and review, as one would do in a home. Stop, think, and do a review of where we are, what we've got coming in, and what's uh, happening. And I'm going to um, uh, use uh, that passage that we had read to us this morning just to uh, bounce off. I want to use one particular verse from that. Before I get to that, a couple of quotes or three quotes from people I think are really worth listening to. Martin, Martin Luther says this in one of his great quotes. A re- religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, suffers nothing, but is worth nothing. Um, uh, Jim Elliott, uh, a, a, an amazing missionary who um, actually died witnessing the good news of Christ to a, uh, a community of cannibals Uh, gave his life in doing so. They later came to Christ because of his witness. He said this just before he went. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Uh, Talking about the kingdom of God. And a final quote from Martin Luther. There are three conversions necessary. The conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse. Of these three, it may well be that we find the conversion of the purse the most difficult, as Martin Luther uh, quoting there. So I want to pick up on our reading this morning, and I want to focus in on one particular verse. And this is what it says in uh, uh, Luke chapter 6. It says, give and it will be given to you. Give and it will be given to you, verse 32. Give and it will be given to you. It's one of those golden rules in life, isn't it? One of the things that we know. It's become part of the narrative of our conversation. It comes up in all sorts of ways. And and we think perhaps uh, it's just something that that we say, that many people perhaps don't realize that it comes from the Bible. 
They put it alongside the little ditty that many children learn at school. You know, love is like a magic penny. Hold it tight, you won't have any. Lend it, spend it. You'll have so many that they'll roll all over the floor. They will sing that when we go do some of the assemblies in the local schools. You know, it's one of life's golden rules. Give and it will be given to you. But it's more than that. It's actually a promise from Jesus. He's the one who's teaching here. He's the one that says it. Give and it will be given to you. I want to think a bit about the promise to start with. It helps us to know that this comes from uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, You can find the longer version in Matthew, the shorter version in Luke. And our part of uh, Luke's reading today is part of a longer little section. It actually begins back at verse 27, and it begins with a series of commands. These are the commands. Great commands from Jesus. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Give to everyone who asks you. And then he climaxes that with what's become known as the golden rule. Another saying that we all know, do to others as you would like them to do to you. Jesus teaching those. And then he goes on, verse 32 through to 36, 37. He says, he gives the reason for those commands. He says, this is the reason we're to be different from others. We're to be different from those who don't follow God, he says. He said, if, if you do that, you will win great reward from God. You will prove yourselves to reflect the nature of God, therefore be known as the children of God. You'll reflect God's character as you do it. And you'll be treated, he says at the end, as you treat others. So he says, give, and it will be given to you. A lot in there, there's, there's lots in there we could look at. I mean, there's so much you could explore. You know, I, th- I, think, I think if people put into place, do not judge, and you will not be judged. It will be a marvelous thing in society. So, so many people are so quick uh, to judge so often. But I want to just focus on this. Give and it will be given to you today. Let me, let me just set the context, context for you. Just come with me for a moment to a, a Middle Eastern market um, or an African market somewhere uh, where um, sellers would um, haggle over uh, the buying of um, uh, groceries. Here's a, a market that I was at in. This one's in Mozambique. And um, uh, those who are selling wares, they would bring it in dish pots like this, or some would have it on a sheet on the floor. And people coming along to buy it would haggle. They'd come along, and they'd look at it. There's loads and loads of these all in the same sort of place. They'd come along, and they'd look at it, and they'd haggle over the price. They'd look at the quality, and they'd work out a price. And once they'd haggled over the price, they would bring their bowl, their container, that they wanted their stuff put in. And so their stuff would be put into their container and, and then they would, the, the, the seller would press it down and just top it up to fill it up. And then the person buying would often then, I don't know if you do it, we, we store our rice in kilner jars. You know, so you can fill it up and then you press it down and then you bang it on the table. And it all goes down a lot more and you create a lot more space. And the person buying goes, oh, I'd like my dish fully, completely full. And they'll bang it down. 
and uh, shake it down and then they'll top it up again. And um, uh, as they do that, um, any that overflows, the person selling it would have a cloth underneath to collect anything that overflows so they can put that back in and sell to the next person. So what does it say? This is what Jesus is describing. Something that the people in his day, this would have been part of their everyday life. He says, so give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. So what does that mean? What precisely is Jesus talking about um, in this promise? What is he talking about when it comes to Christian giving? I think there are two simple answers here. He says, when you give, God will give back to you. At our 9.15 service, um, as I was teaching this, I had a string of people come up to me at the end and say, that's the testimony of my life. That's the testimony of my life. That's the testimony of my life. I have experienced that. As we give, God gives back to us. And secondly, God uses the same measure that we use. So to put it in modern terms, if you're generous towards God, then God is going to be generous back to you. He knows that you're trustworthy. If you're continually generous, he can give you more. If we're not generous, then he won't be able to trust us with as much. Perhaps one of the most famous verses, uh, passages in the Bible on Christian giving comes where Paul reflects this in his letter to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He reflects this and he says this, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. That makes sense, doesn't it? He who gives a little will get a little back. He says, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. The one who sows with generosity will reap generosity themselves. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or a response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. The principle is very simple. Sow a little, reap a little. Sow a lot, reap a lot. But when we give, give cheerfully in every church I've been in in Uganda and uh, 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 Mozambique and India and all uh, 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 Siberia and all over different places when it comes to the collection they all get out of their seats and they dance to the front of the church to put their collection in they dance just like they take that God loves a cheerful giver to its nth degree I have considered putting that in place here but I didn't think I'd go down quite so well in West Ealing. But, it, 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 but, but they come, and they, they take it seriously. God loves a cheerful giver. In one, one, of the churches, one of the churches I visited, I can't remember which country it was in recently. I've got the photograph at home. They have a list on the back of the church wall of those who've given their tithes that, that week. They, they come in, they've given their tithes, and they're like, check them off. I'm like, that's a very good thing. We could introduce the dancing and the tithe chart. That'd be quite a fun thing going on here at St. Paul's, wouldn't it? That'd change everything. But the thing is that the thing is that we don't we don't cajole or pressurize or or, or say you have to. What we do is we say, find out what God's calling you to and do it with all your heart. But do it cheerfully. 
Give personally. And as you give personally, you will receive and you will see others receiving back. In the NIV, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, it says this, God is able to make all grace abound in you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Four little alls in there. God will make all grace abound in you. We want the grace of God. God will make, if you give cheerfully, he says, God will give you oodles of his grace. The source of goodness, he says, will come to you at all times. What with? All things. All that you need, the result. God's promise to those who dare to become generous givers is that you will have everything you need when you need it. This may not be everything you want, but God won't let generous givers go unrewarded. Because the question there, that is the promise of God. God says, you give, I'll give back to you. The question though is, is God good for the promise? That's, that's our question. That's our hesitation. Should I give? Can I trust God to do that? Well, if there's a promise, there's got to be a principle behind the promise. On what is this promise given? On what principle is this promise given? I mean, Jesus is teaching it. On what principle does he give it? Well, um, I think uh, that he has it here. That, 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 that everything that Jesus says rests on the character of God. When Jesus says that it will be given to you, he bases that on the truth of who he is. He's a generous God who loves to give good things to his children. Many of us have experienced that in our lives. We know a God who forgives our sins, who heals us, who helps us, supports us, encourages us, walks with us. I did a little study this week on some of the things in the Bible that it says God will give to us. And it's, uh, God, it says God will give to us victory, hope, peace, life, success, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, strength, health, honor, power, love, children, a heart to know him, joy in the morning, answers to prayer, food for the hungry, water for the thirsty, rest for the weary, good gifts to those who ask, eternal life, living water, new birth, spiritual gifts, the word of God, and the list goes on. God is a giving God. That's where the promise is based. That it's in God's characters, in his nature, to give to us. And that's just the beginning. The greatest gift, of course, is reflected in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that anyone who believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that he gave. It's in his nature to give. He says, if I can trust you to give back, I can give you more. That's, the, that's the, the promise that's there. That's the challenge that's there to us. And the promise of God to give to us is based on who he is in his nature. He's the kind to, to know that he is the kind of God who would do that stuff. I wonder if you've ever looked at yourself in a mirror and asked, why would God love me? When you think of or perhaps times where he might be ashamed of you or embarrassed at what you've done or you've looked at how you've messed up or doubted him or not loved him at times or honored him. Have you ever wondered that? I don't know. I have, I have, I have wondered that question. Well, how, why would God love me? Well, there is only one answer to that. And that's this, that that is the kind of God he is. 
He is the kind of God that would love us. It's in his nature to love us. He can't stop loving us, even if he wanted to. His love for us is eternal and faithful. It is not dependent upon anything that we say or do. It's in him. He wants to know us and to love us. So how does this truth about God's character apply to Christian giving? Let me give, suggest four quick answers. Number one, you can't outgive God. God is, God, God is a generous God. I mean, if, if God gave his only son, we can't outgive get, give that, can we? You can't outgive it. Secondly, God will be no one's debtor. Thirdly, invites us to trust his word. And fourthly, he challenges us. It's the only time in the Bible he does it. But he challenges us to put him to the test in this. You see, the truth is God went first. He loved us so much that he gave his son. And he wants us to give generously back to him. The refrain that was repeated so often in Africa it's a lovely refrain. You can go into any church and say it at any time. And you say, God is good all the time. And everybody shouts back, all the time, God is good. And they know it. They, they know it with every ounce of energy and, and, and bone in their body. They know it. And you go and look and you think, well, goodness me, how do they live in a house like that? How do they live in this situation? How can they, they've got nothing, you know, they, I mean, they don't have an iPhone even. How can they do this? How can they do this? And do you know what? They have a greater peace and joy and satisfaction in life. They have more, much more. They have more of which we have an enormous poverty of. They have so much in their lives and they know they know the truth of that statement that God is good all the time when our prayers are answered and life is going our way we often say God is good the trouble with that is that that means that the opposite can also be true that when our prayers remain unanswered we say that God is not good and I fear sometimes that in society today we construct a God of the good times rather than a good God so we bend God's nature to our lives rather than our lives to his nature the truth is God is good all the time when our son um, Josiah had his accident and we thought that he wasn't going to live um, I spoke to John Dales I was talking to him about this this morning uh, on that uh, Sunday morning before he came in and was leading the service here and speaking I think and I sent him a message so it was written on text and I said Lindsay and I want you to know we believe that God is good we believe that God heals it looks like he's not going to do it on this occasion. We may not be able to say it for a while, but we believe it. And we continue to believe that. We believe in a God of the good times and the difficult times. What's that got to do with our giving? You may agree with all of that, but what's that got to do with our giving? You're all thinking, 
gosh, he's been speaking for 15 minutes already and I thought he was going to speak about giving. Well, I want to give you four little pointers under the title, The Challenge of Generosity. Number one, generous people are not people with large bank accounts. Generous people are people with a large view of God. How do we see God? What does God look like in our lives? Do we believe in the words of Jesus and the picture that we understand of God in Scripture? Or do we construct a God to our nature? We often look at people who give generously and think that they must be rich, but it isn't so. Often those who are less well-off are even more generous. Generosity has nothing to do with how much money you have. Generosity has got everything to do with your view of God. If in the area of giving you struggle, I would suggest the issue is our understanding of God. Who we see God as in our own lives And the bigger your view of God, then the easier it becomes to give. Because you know you can trust him and you know you can trust in his promises. So number one, generous people are not those with large bank accounts, but those with a large view of God. Number two, we give because we want to reflect God's nature. In other words, we're not bending God to our nature, but we begin to bend our nature to God's nature. We say, we want to reflect you. We know that you're good for the promise. This is the promise. Given it will be given to you. Here's the principle for the promise. It's in the nature of God. Therefore, I want my nature to be bent to your nature. I want to become more like you. That when people see me, they see something of Jesus in me. It's to him that they uh, find, in, in him they find strength and goodness. When we sow, then something good will happen. We actually believe that when we sow, we will reap a harvest. It might not necessarily be for ourselves, but it could well be for the kingdom of God. It could well be for somebody else. We invest in something bigger. How might God reward you if you're a generous giver? Well, he may give you more to give. That's absolutely true. It may be answered prayer. It may be deeper joy. It could be new friendships. It might be more opportunities to give. It might be a greater revelation of his power in your life. It might be an amazing miracle. It might be with peace that that passes all understanding. It might be the joy of seeing somebody else blessed. It might be the joy of seeing someone else receive resurrection in their lives. We know we're called to give because we're called to bend our natures to God's nature because our view of God is big enough. Thirdly, generous givers understand that the more they give, the more they will know God at work in their lives. We know the parable of the talents, don't we? One person got one talent, he hid it and uh, did nothing with it. Another got five talents, uh, invested it. Another got ten talents and doubled it. The one who brings a return the one whom God gives gifts to and they make the most of that they pour it out God says I can trust you with that I'll trust you therefore with more 
we understand the principle of giving. This week, it's been, uh, there's been lots of news. Uh, many, many people focused on the news of Margaret Thatcher dying, and that's been the major headline, hasn't it? On the same day that Margaret Thatcher died, um, Rick Warren, he's a famous church leader in America, leads the largest church in America. Um, uh, Rick and uh, Kay Warren, their son, 27 years old, so 27 year old son, committed suicide. It's an absolute tragedy. Been suffering with uh, clinical depression, and uh, bought an illegal gun on the internet from somebody. And uh, I follow Rick on Twitter, and uh, and his wife Kay. And Rick tweeted the next day, I pray forgiveness on the person who sold my son that gun. May you know God's blessing in your life. Sowing generosity the whole time. And this week there, uh, Kay tweeted uh, something, I could look it up, but she tweeted something like, today I choose to worship God, to trust in him, and place my future in his life. There's something of saying, I believe in a God of the good times and the bad. I believe that when you sow in the kingdom of God, good stuff will happen. But even if bad stuff happens, even if sin gets in the way, it doesn't change the nature of God. God still at work. We understand that the more we give, the more that we bless, that God will uh, invest back in our lives. We understand the principle of giving. And fourthly, generous giving is a testimony to the world about the goodness of God, about our faith in God and our belief in the future. I think the world watches the church to see whether it really does believe in what it says it does. The survey came out this week from the local councils looking at volunteers across the country. And uh, it said the greatest uh, grouping of people who come to volunteer across this country, 70% of volunteers come from faith communities. That's a really interesting statistic. 70% of volunteers come from faith communities. What really made my heart beat was, and 90% of those 70% come from the Christian church. That says to the world, we believe in this. We believe in it, and we believe in serving, and we believe in sharing. And it's about the giving of ourselves that other people might know the kingdom of God. I truly believe that we can never outgive God. Lindsay and I believe in tithes and offerings. So we believe in our tithe. That's what we believe is the biblical principle. So whatever income we get, we believe we give 10% back to the church. That's into the kingdom of God so that that can be sown into the things of the kingdom so that we can see God's kingdom come. Over and above that, we believe in offerings. So we have the privilege of sponsoring us some children and some, we have some favorite charities that we support. And, and, and that comes out of our offerings because we think that God says bring the, bring the first tithe into the storehouse, that we can see God's kingdom grow. That's what we believe in. When we first came here to St. Paul's, and um, there are a few here who might remember, our, our, total, our total giving as a church was tiny. In fact, they didn't, there wasn't enough given to pay my salary even. And um, uh, over the years, we've taught this again and again. Well, I, uh, you can come to the AGM on Tuesday and 
read all about it if you want. It's not a particularly exciting meeting, but you can read all about it any time the minutes of the PCC are stuck up at the back. And over the last 20 years, I don't know how many, literally, millions of pounds we've given away to those in need around the world. How many lives we've affected. How much change has come about. I mean, just now, you know, I know we've got somewhere around 3,000 children in India uh, funded by this church in education. We've got, we've got 21 churches in India that we pay their salaries of the pastors out there. There's the ministry in Kenya, fantastic ministry with a school and a medical center and little businesses. There's the micro-businesses that's still going on in Pakistan. Terrific work that's still going on out there, even though Dave and Jenny Watson have had to come back. There's the work that's going on in Bangladesh through um, uh, Jill um, Bedford. And, and the list goes on as we've spread further around the world. And, and I think as we've been faithful in the small, God has said, here you go, here's another chance. Here you go, here's another opportunity. And so like, someone like Stefan comes up to me seven years ago and says, I think you know, we've got to do something about the refugees and those who don't speak English because they can't afford to go to the English school and there's a year's waiting list. I'm like, great. You do it, Stefan. I've got no idea how to do it. Just tell us how we're doing it. And now, seven years on, 1,200 people have been through that. We've got, about, we've got over 100 students, I think, at the moment in that language school this year going through that, that, that's that, uh, the proper exams. People have trained up to do it. It's a fantastic service into our community. And I believe that God has said, as I've been able to trust you in the little, I'll trust you with more. And I'll trust you with more again. And I'll trust you with more again. And Lindsay and I believe that. And I think we want to invite you to journey with us. And we know the truth. We know the truth that God gives to those who give. So we've, we've been short many times, but we've never run out. We've always had enough and everything that we've needed in life. We live by that principle because we believe in it. And I want to invite you to join with us to do that. Friends, as a church, we want to continue to grow God's kingdom. We invite you to partner with us to make this happen this year. Uh, Vicky, our treasurer, is going to be at the back afterwards. There's a table there with some packs on. Um, some of you are on the giving scheme. Thank you. It's, you. I can't tell you how helpful that is to know what we've got coming in so we plan what goes out. So we know where we can place resources. Thank you. Maybe you would review your giving and look to increase it this year. Some, some of you may not be on the giving scheme. Would you, would you join us? Just sign up now. Pick up one of the packs, fill it in, and begin. And, and maybe, you're, maybe you're there and you think, well, I, I'm not sure I can give 10% straight away. Well, maybe you could give a percentage and think, I'll work towards it. So that we start on that journey. That, that actually you will know, as you do that, you will know the blessing of God back into your life. As we're generous to him and his kingdom, we know that it will come back to us at all times. Because this is the promise that Jesus makes. He says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. For the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And friends, I want us as a church family to continue to be able to stretch out and share God's kingdom, both locally nationally and internationally and I'm sure you share that heart with me so join us in this pick up a pack today maybe even fill it in before you go but take it home 
bring it back next week. Or at least take it home and think about it. I know what happens then. You don't bring it back next week. So we'll have some more packs ready next week. And you can come back and think, oh, I didn't bring it in, but I can fill one in now. And join us as we seek to see God's kingdom come in this community, this country, and across the world. Is that okay?